Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope with your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Pure Hope Show. You are coming, we are coming live to you from the Hope Interfaith Center, and I personally, I personally just got back from a three-week sabbatical from this center, and I am refreshed, and I am ready to go. One of those opportunities that I had, because I had a great trip of those three weeks, I had the ability and time to listen to old and new books, and I never had that time. Hit me the most, which I thought was kind of interesting, is Tuesdays with Maury. And since I always try to put on our live programs and our programs on Tuesdays, I thought that was very interesting that one of the ones that hit me the most was Tuesdays with Maury. That made me think, it made me think, it made me think, and it also made me feel. And there's a quote that says, and I love this quote, reading and listening without reflecting is like eating without digestion. And that is written by Edmund Berg. And we have an opportunity this evening to have some good mental tremors, good food for the heart, the mind, and the soul. And so you might feel those ahas, or you might indeed say, I've never thought of it that way. So you might want to quickly go get a pencil or go get a pad or your personal journal. So when you have those ahas, or when you have that, huh, I never thought of it that way. So you can register those mental and emotional tremors. I never listen to um, a book or read a book without a yellow highlighter in my hand, or a pen or a pencil by my side, because I am a reflector. I am a teacher, but even more so, I'm uh, uh, a I want to learn, learn, learn. I'm a student of life. So I love to digest the material of which I listen to. So tonight we're going to speak and we're going to listen to an amazing man. So you, I'm asking everyone, don't simply turn the pages of this moment while listening. Let yourself be moved. Use your yellow highlighter, even if it's your heart and your mind, to just have it get registered. And please call in because this is a live program and Jeffrey is going to be with us on the phone. In fact, he's listening to me as we are speaking to you from uh, California, from Los California. So he will answer your questions. The number to call is 213-559-2974. All you have to do is press the number one, and our program director, Tom, will pick up the phone and let us know, let me know that you have a question. So please call in. Again, the number is 213-559-2974. Press the number one, and Tom will get us connected. Now, a short introduction about our guest tonight on this program. Jeffrey Van Dyke is an international speaker strategist, and guide who has worked with some highly successful leaders and founders in what he calls the second half of life, who know what they are and know that they are meant to transition into what he calls their legacy, which is a meaningful, lasting impact on the world. While at Microsoft, Jeffrey personally designed speaker training systems to help top executives and global leaders like, hold on to your hats, this is the truth, Bill Gates, Peter Jennings, Tom Peters, Dan Pink, former Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon, and of course, more. He worked with them to help them share their messages more effectively with the world through online technology. And our topic tonight is this. What do you do when you feel stuck? 
all of my programs are designed for those who want to live a more intentional life. And I, in the last few years, went to an exercise trainer. And the only reason why I give you this information, because he will look at me, and every time I walk in the room, he'll say, it's time to feel the burn. It's time to feel the fire. It's time to feel the passion. And he says that to me with love. That to me because he knows my potential. I smile at him. I do sweat. And I sometimes even swear. And I feel stuck lots of times going to the next level. So I love that he challenges me. And he challenged me to do it now. So it is with great honor I bring to you Jeffrey Van Dyke to help bring upon you some tremors tonight. So hi, Jeffrey. How are you? Hello, hello, hello. Hi, my dear Hope. Hello, everybody listening. It's great to be here. Oh, I am just thrilled to have you on the program. And I myself have known you for a long time, so I didn't know um, some of the stuff I just read about you. So <laughs> when this was sent to me, I was um, pleasantly pleased as we were sharing um, with each other. So. Um, I'm glad to have you on the program. So yeah, we all Thank feel you. stuck. Yes, we all feel stuck sometimes, don't we? And I think tonight we have a very important discussion to have on what to do when we do feel stuck. So when people come to you, Jeffrey, what areas do you see most people stuck in? Well, most people come to me when they're in an internal conflict right, where they've had one life that they've been living for some time and where a new life is calling them. And Mm. they're stuck in this place of answering the call. My friend Joan Rosenberg, a therapist, says, you know, the, the, the four things she sees people have to do to really live a healthy, fulfilled life is know what they know, speak what they know, be what they know, and share what they know. And usually people come to me when they're conflicted around knowing what they know, right? When you get that knock on the door from spirit that says, hey, you're supposed to do this thing, right? I just talked to somebody yesterday who got that knock, and, and, and and when she answered, the voice said, you're the one to change the face of mental illness in America. Wow. So when we get those calls, it's easy to try to not know what we know, right? That's the first one, (laughs) right? Right? To try to pretend like we didn't hear it. Uh, And in fact, you know, one of the great ways people keep themselves where they are is by pretending they haven't heard it. And in fact, staying fairly kind of fuzzy about what they're here to do in the world. And sometimes it's big callings like the one I just mentioned Sometimes it's something simple, like a call to mend a relationship, right, with a a spouse, a friend, a a colleague, and you're like, oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to talk to them. I don't don't want to give them the satisfaction that maybe uh, there's a way forward, right? That vindictive streak wants to stay stay, uh, keeping the upper hand. So knowing what we know can sometimes be something big and grandiose. Sometimes it can be something really simple, like, yeah, make amends with this person, move on with your life, move on with this relationship. Um, and, and then speaking what we know, that's the next stage, which is, can I really utter this? Right. I can't tell you how many times people come to me, especially people that have, you know, big careers, <laughs> But not just right. careers, right? But 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 especially, you know, people that are like, oh my God, I'm at the top of my game, you know, I'm a senior executive or I founded this company, but I know it's not it anymore. What I thought was the thing was actually a training program for the thing, and now I'm getting clear about what the thing actually is. But I'm scared to speak it because I know once I speak it, the wheels are going to start turning, right? Change is going right. to start moving. Um, and those are the two places I usually see people being most conflicted, where they have competing commitments. One commitment says, I want to keep my life the same, right? I, I like my friends. I like my house. I like 
my marriage, or at least if I don't like it, <laughs> at least it's familiar. Mm -hmm. At least I understand it. At least I can right. engage with it in a fairly predictable way. Um, you know, and, and then the other part of our heart saying nature only knows expansion, right? That the only yeah. way to go is forward. The only way to grow is to expand. And so we have these competing commitments of safety and expansion, safety and expansion, comfort, growth. And, you know, I don't think that ever stops until we're in the grave. <laughs> right. Uh, right. You know, right. and, and so, uh, you know, what to do when we're stuck is the question for today. And so those are a couple areas where I find that people often come to me when they're stuck because part of what I do in the world is help people get clear on their life's work, their legacy, and build a business around it. Right. So I, I, I do marketing and I do uh, brand strategy and all that good stuff, but I do it from this very soulful place. Um, but the idea of being stuck is simply any time, you know, I find that people are usually stuck in one of two places. Either we're in struggle and we know it, right? One part of us wants this, the other part wants that, or we're numb. Right. Which usually to me means I'm unwilling to listen to what I know. There's something keeping me from it. And uh, so I just feel numb. I just feel checked out. I just feel like there's nothing here. This is a blase life. Um, and oftentimes that's when, when, when that call had come and it came and it came and we just kept pushing it away until we just buried it so far that there's no energy left in our lives. Um, so back to this question, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do with this? Um, when I started this work, one of the things Spirit said to me over and over and over again, and I think it's been one of the most challenging things to learn, not to understand conceptually, but to live. <laughs> and that is hmm. that there are no problems to be solved, just more truth to be revealed. I love there are no problems statement. to be solved, just more truth to be revealed. And so I bring that up in light of this idea of what do we do when we're stuck? Because it's so second nature to go, oh, I'm stuck, this is a problem, right? Because it doesn't feel good. And so we stick the label of problem on the stuckness, and then we uh, so go, how, how do I fix this? How do I fix this? How do I fix this? Which is in essence saying, how do beyond this? And interestingly enough, the number one thing I see that people have to do when they're stuck is actually move towards the feeling of being stuck. Actually feel hmm. the feelings. Feel the uncomfortable feelings. Actually engage with it. Because if there are no problems to be solved, just more truth to be revealed, that means that the problem, in this case the stuckness, is actually an invitation, right? It's a invitation saying, hey, there's something here for you. And if you can turn towards it and engage with the stuckness, something new will be revealed. So in the current work that you're doing right now and all the years that you've been doing this work, because I have always wanted to live a more deeper, fuller, meaningful life, a legacy, a life of legacy. Do you see that there's an undercurrent that is moving up, bubbling up within people, that they're thinking and feeling more about living a deeper, more richer, more truthful, authentic life? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think there, you know, if you just look on Amazon, there are more books being published about life purpose than ever before. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and, and I, I actually look at it from a standpoint of economy as it relates to purpose, because, mm. you know, for years we were hunters and gatherers. Then we did agriculture for, for centuries. And then we had the industrial revolution. Right. And um, we had to do this thing throughout the years called hard work. And it's good to have a hard work ethic when you need to show up and plow the fields every day. It's good to have a hard work ethic if you need to show up and press the button to make the conveyor belt go, you know, 
300 times every day. Um, you know, that work ethic gave meaning to the mundane. But now we're in an interesting time. We've moved from the Industrial Revolution to an age of technology. And I would even say we're moving towards a spiritual economy, a spiritual age as it relates to economy. And here's what I mean by that. As our technological uh, revolution continues to advance, more and more and more artificial intelligence will take over our standard quote unquote jobs. Um, mm -hmm. That the, yep. you know, we can look at it, you know, anybody alive right now looking at the economy goes, oh yeah, there's tons of jobs that didn't even exist 10 years ago and tons that uh, are going away every day. And um, what I find when people step into their legacy is that they have to step into their genius zone. They have to step into not just what they're meant to do, but how they're meant to do it, which is really utilizing their innate skills. So for example, I know that I'm really meant to just be a voice, a mouthpiece, right? I'm an ambassador for this body of work that's come through me. Um, and that's my role on this planet. So that means that I've had to surround myself with people in my company that take care of all sorts of things that I really have no business touching, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that is as you start to step into your life's work and do it through your own genius zone, is it starts to feel really good. It starts to feel natural. It starts to feel kind of effortless. Even if you're working, you know, uh, 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 many hours or, or what have you, it feels invigorating. And that actually flies in the face of hard work, right? And right. Uh, mm -hmm. it's interesting <laughs> how many people feel bad about doing great work that comes easy to them because of this old legacy of, of, of a hard work ethic. Um, so that's a big meta view into, well, yeah, why are people asking more about purpose at this time? And I think it's because we're, <laughs> the, the, the mundane is being automated. And as the mm -hmm. mundane is automated, it calls into question, well, then what do I do, right? What's mm -hmm. there left for me mm -hmm. to do if the mundane is being automated? And then we have to answer that, well, why am I here, <laughs> right? What is my purpose? Right. How am I meant to employ that in the world? And I think that's part of why, uh, why purpose at this time, perhaps more than ever, I think there are other forces as well, right? If you look at the, the idea that we've moved from the Pleiadian age into the Aquarian age, we're moving from a top-down hierarchical world to a more egalitarian world. Um, and so there's all sorts of stuff afoot um, and all sorts of uh, stuff churning in our world. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's great because we can't ever make big change in the world from things that are really static and solid. They need to be... Uh, kind of uh, crazy, if you will, sometimes for change to occur. And that's, that's what's going on in our planet right now. And I think in, on the individual level, we're feeling it. And we're asking these questions now more than ever. Now, I know that you work with people all over the world, but, you know, I'm a little gal from the Midwest. So when I talk to you and or anybody from places like um, Los Angeles and California, and I don't want to get down on the Kardashians, but you're also living in a world, it looks like anyways, to the people in the Midwest, that you kind of live in a state that sometimes makes like the life of Kardashians or any type of reality show more important than their spiritual um, digestion and asking tremor questions. And that's the reason why I asked that question of you, Jeffrey, is that if you're seeing that in California, where even if it's the land of the beautiful and the fame and all that stuff, if you feel that people are waking up more to the truth of who they're supposed to be and bring that out. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Michigan and I lived in Minnesota, so I, I come from that stock. Um, so I, I understand what you're saying, and gosh, those people out in L.A., I never thought I'd be one, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but here I am. Um, yeah, I, I see people asking uh, quite a lot here. Um, okay, good. 
and 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 perhaps you know it's the contrast sometimes that makes us yearn and the contrast yeah. between a really superficial life where you've gotten the money and you've gotten the fame and you've gotten the botox and you're still empty you know it's it's a different kind of hunger but it's uh, I, maybe it's the same hunger, but it comes from maybe a different uh, life life experience. Sure, um, right. But I I see it all over the place. I mean, I, I, and like you said, I work I work with people from Israel, from Colombia, from Los Angeles, and from Minnesota, right? And and I don't care where in the world it is, unless it's a country that's completely war torn, in which case you can only address the uh, shock and horror that's in front of your eyes every day, right? But mm-hmm. uh, in the rest of the world, uh, the developed or the developing world, uh, purpose is a big question, and not just for us as individuals. Um, you know, if you look at companies, more than ever, companies are asking, what's our why? What's our bigger purpose? Um, and recognizing that when they have it, people feel more fulfilled as employees, their customers get more engaged with the product, their business starts working, and they feel like, oh, maybe we can actually contribute to the world while we make a profit. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of my favorite statements, one of the assignment that I once got a long, long time ago was to have this little black book that I would write some of my favorite quotes, and it wasn't a book that was given to me. I was just told to write 100 quotes that I would write that would move me, that would change me. And one of those quotes is, no revolution in the outer world is possible without prior revolution in one's inner way of being. Whatever change you aspire to must be preceded by a change in the heart. So is Hmm. that where you start with your mm. clients or, or, or like sometimes I feel like oh, I've got to motivate them to change or do you wait for them to be motivated and then they come to you? Yeah. Uh, I don't really believe in motivating people. I don't really think it's possible. <laughs> I've <And> tried that, it. <laughs> I've told that many times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I do believe is meeting people where they're at and there's, almost always, at least if they're showing up in front of someone like you, some desire, some yearning, right? And so I just like touch, I just meet that spark, whatever it is, wherever it is. And Mm -hmm. part of my work then is to look at what's in conflict with that spark, right? Um, And I find the quote-unquote lack of motivation is oftentimes not that they're not motivated. You talk to people, man, they want to change. They want to lose the weight. They want to uh, have a better relationship. They want to be a kinder spouse or parent. They want to be a better leader in their company. They want to, but then they find themselves not doing it, and they don't know why, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think it's a lack of motivation. I think we actually do want to grow. I do think we want to get better. I just don't think we often know how. And we're yes. often kind of blind to the things that are keeping us from doing that. We're blind to what I, you know, what's uh, referred to earlier as competing commitments about the parts of us that don't want that. Right? Our logical mind is saying we do want it. We want to grow. We want to get better. We want to mm-hmm. lose our weight, whatever. And some other part of us doesn't want it. Let's take weight, for example. Right? Um, you know, because people sometimes struggle with that for decades. Yeah. Is yeah. Most most people don't know, and and you know, you've you've lost quite a lot of weight in your life. Hundred um, and seventeen pounds. Yeah. Yes. Mhm. Mhm. Um, you know, and my guess is you had to at some point get to an understanding of why you had the weight in the first place. Is that yes. true? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It is. And. In, in in that like really almost painfully honest conversation with oneself. And, um, you know, women in this world uh, often don't feel safe and weight is a way of creating a barrier and a sense of safety, especially if you've been sexually abused or molested, you know. And so until you can get clear about that, the chances of um, of changing anything in that arena is very slim, 
you know? So that's, that's the thing I have people do is get clear about the reasons why not, right? Their logical mind is saying, okay, I want it, right? And then what's underneath that? Interesting, interesting. So with this new year coming up, which is a number 10 year with new beginnings, and we're creating things new, are you sensing that as well? And if people are stuck, what is the first thing, and maybe you just answered that, what's the first thing they could do? Let's say if they say, mm-hmm. there's a new year coming up, I do feel stuck, I do want to lose weight, I do want to be my glorious, magnificent self, I was here to change the world, whether it's big or small, I want to do it but they feel stuck. So what's the first thing that they could do to get unstuck? Yeah. So I would say the first thing is to get clarity on your intention. What is it that you want to do or change? And there's two ways to do it. One is to just ask yourself, right? I want to lose weight or I want to start this new business or whatever it is. The other way to do it is to go, what does the world want of me, right? Uh, what do I want for the world, but what does the want, world want from me? Another way to say that is, what does the divine want for me? What does this universe want for me? How, how am I meant to be animated by something larger than me that can move through me and express in this very unique way called me in this world? And that takes some discernment. That takes listening. That takes getting quiet. So, you know, I often do a multiple-day meditation retreat over New Year's as my way of getting quiet so that I can hear. Because, man, sometimes we're just so fast and busy, I know I often am, that it can be hard to hear. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this past year, for example, I, I, I heard this one – first I heard one word, and it was instinct. And it was this directive to reconnect to my instinct, to my animal nature, right? To that visceral uh, fire as, a, as an animal in this world. And Spirit kept saying, Jeffrey, you've, you've got your channel online. You've got your heart online. Now you need to bring your humanity online because when all three of those are combined, watch out, right? Wow. So that was my directive, and, uh, you know, so for the first time in my life, I hired a personal trainer because I knew to get into my animal nature, I needed to be stronger. I needed to be fit. You never see fat animals. And not that I was mm-hmm. fat, but I, I, I could be more lean, right? Animals are lean. So I need to do that. But I also know that I've been going to the gym for years, and that's never happened. <laughs> so, you know, so people hire me. Uh, to help with their lives. So I was like, all right, I got to, you know, I, I often hire people myself. And so I went and found a trainer, really awesome guy that kicks my butt two or three times a week now. And um, I'm getting lean, you mm-hmm. know? So that's, that's how it works for me oftentimes. Not so much what do I want, because usually those desires of what do I want? Oh, I want to lose weight. It's Usually we don't know what the motivation is there. And the motivation is oftentimes, uh, you know, something like, oh, I want people to like me more or I want to be more accepted. They're actually, we want to change because our ego's wounds are driving the desire for change. (laughs) But when you get quiet and listen for that voice of, oh, what wants to happen through me? And maybe you just get one word like I did, instinct. Oh, mm-hmm. God. And then I get to have the whole year to play with, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> Where's that going to lead me? Right? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so do you believe it's important to have a coach like you or someone else? Do you think that's important for accountability? You know, it certainly was for me. Um, um, I think it can in. be. Okay. And I don't think it's always necessary. I wouldn't say everyone always needs a coach all the time. I happen to have a handful of coaches this year, um, but I've got big stuff I'm up to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, so I needed yes. to find some support to accelerate that movement. 
Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's having a best friend. Sometimes it's having an accountability group. Um, right? Sometimes it's having a coach. Uh, and, you know, not everybody has the financial means to, say, hire a coach. So that's an option, but it's not the only way. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, there are million and one studies that show us that when we have accountability, um, you know, when we actually speak the goal we want into the world and have accountability to help us make it true, that we're far more likely to to make that change. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then the other thing I would say is, you know, for me, I often get really curious. When I get that word like instinct, I'm like, oh, God, what – where is this going to lead me this year? And I start exploring. Yeah. I, I found this. Uh, I found this movement teacher that works with actors. He works with Leonardo DiCaprio and like big name actors in LA. And he studied this tribe in Africa, the Nuba tribe, that weren't getting eaten by wild cats when the other neighboring tribes were. And he went and lived with them. And 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 what he found was that they move like predators when the neighboring tribes move like prey. And that wild cats see them, they go, ooh, hands off. That's another predator. Got to watch out, you know. And so he took this movement, this predator movement, because he knew that if you could be a predator on stage or in front of the camera, that people wouldn't be able to take their eyes off of you. And so he, uh, he does this training. So I've actually been working with him in addition to my uh, personal trainer and learning how to use animals as a way into my work as a public speaker. It's been fascinating. You know, I would have never in a million years thought I would find that animal movement teacher. But, you know, but well, it's so uh, interesting because in- that's what I've always loved about you, Jeffrey. You know, I think that, you know, another one of my quotes in my little black book is that our job is to say a holy yes to the real things in our life. And yeah. And what I've always seen about you is that, you, you know, someone told me, but you are also almost perhaps the top poster boy, poster child, in the journey of saying yes, you know, saying that holy yes and looking for those people that can help you bring the you that you're meant to be. And and when you have kind of passion for that, it's so interesting because when I meet people who don't have the passion for that, I always think like, why are you not saying the holy yes to the life that you were meant to live? Yeah. That's well, I'm I'm not judging them, but I I do find no. that confusing. I I love that. So let me just share a few things about that because when people ask, like, you know, how how, how do you explain your success? Um, the thing I tell them is, I say yes. Right. Mm. I I I. In, in fact, in my daily prayer practice, at the end of my prayer practice, I have this prayer. I say to spirit, praying the prayer of yes, what am I praying yes to today? Wow. And it's a daily act of surrender of, I've already said yes, spirit. I've already said yes. Yeah. So now tell me what I just said yes to, right? And um, I've been praying that prayer for uh God over a decade in terms of an actual years ago, I went to a, uh, a service with this minister who did a, a series, Penny Nixon did a series on, uh, on different prayers. And the, the last in her series was the prayer of yes, the most dangerous prayer you can pray. Right. And, wow. uh, <laughs> and, and, and ever since that day that I heard her speak on that, that has been part of my practice. Now that said, I also have the experience, the lived experience, that when I say yes, when there's some impulse calling me and I say yes, the resources to fulfill on that impulse always exist. The impulse doesn't come the impulse doesn't come bankrupt ever. Yes. Right? And so I just trust that the resources, I don't care if I can see them or not. I don't even care if I know the how or what the thing is. I just go, okay. Um, now, that's, that's a muscle I've cultivated. It's not like I was born that way, <laughs> you know. And so uh, 
it's, 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 it's learning to say even little yeses. You know, I have this practice where when I get a little, a little, a little something in my head, like, oh, be sure, you know, to do this right now, a little fleeting thought, uh, I, I do my best to pay attention to the fleeting thoughts and take action on them right when they come. Uh, because I find that uh, uh, almost always later on, I see why I had to do that little thing. Even if it's like, you know, put something by the door so I don't forget to bring it to wherever I'm supposed to go next or, or, or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, what I'd say also is I had to do a lot of work around my core wounds, around my no, essentially, because our wounds close us in. They serve a holy role. I'm not down on wounds and I'm not down on the ego. I think it serves a holy role because we need contrast in order to have expansion, in order to inspire expansion, right? All problems are a gateway in to more. They all inspire expansion if we can, if we can answer them that way. So for me, a lot of my wounds were around feeling isolated and alone. You know, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I, uh, was raised in a very evangelical Christian community. Uh, and I was a creative, uh, inquisitive kid that didn't fit inside a box from the get-go. And then when I was 12, I realized I was gay. So that just added fuel to the fire, right? Knowing yeah. that I was different. Um, and back then, thinking I was going to hell for all of eternity for it. So it just made me feel so alone so broken, you know, and I had to eventually turn towards the parts of me that felt alone, that felt isolated, that felt broken, that felt uh, uh, like I would never fit in this world and actually learn to embrace them, you know, and that's, 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 that's nothing you do overnight. Um, but what I'd say is as I did that, my ability to then start to notice the spark and eventually start taking action on that spark started to emerge because it was the wounds that were covering up my holy desire, my light, my fire. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, if we go back to what we were talking about earlier about actually being willing to feel the feelings, um, you know, before we close, uh, let me just guide people through a, a little exercise to take people through. So you can tell us when we want to do that. It takes about five Great. minutes. But Great. it's, it's okay. a little exercise that I do with all my clients, and it's something anyone can do at any point to turn towards the uncomfortable feelings. Right? My friend Joan I mentioned earlier, she, she's been a therapist for 40 years, and I asked her the other night, I said, Joan, what's, what's the number one discovery you've made in 40 years of being a therapist? And she said, I think most depression is simply people's uh, unwillingness to feel uncomfortable feelings. Mm. Mm. And she, she said so much of the self-sabotage, the voices in our brain that says we're not good enough, that we're not lovable, that people don't really want what we've got that they're actually distraction that the ego uses to keep us from feeling those uncomfortable feelings. They keep us kind of chasing our own tail, right? In the own drama of our own life. But if we can just mm -hmm. stop and go, what am I, what am I running from? What's the uncomfortable feeling I don't want to feel and actually have a tool set and a willingness to feel it. Life changes and it changes quick. Oh, oh. So tell us a little bit about your, I want to be like Oprah Winfrey and say, who are you, Jeffrey? <laughs> tell me a little bit or tell us a little bit about your spirituality and what you feel in your spirituality. Yeah. I don't quite know how to direct the question, but what is yeah. your spirituality? What is your belief system in this energetic field of oneness and wonder? Well, I would say my spirituality is my love for God. You know, I, I, I have a devotional heart. I always have. 
And I just feel this great love from and for the divine. Um, and so if, if you ask me, what's my spirituality? I think it's as simple as that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and that devotion comes in so many forms, right? Um, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, having grown up the way I grew up, I, was, I, I felt very kind of betrayed and wounded uh, about Christianity. And I, in my early 20s, ran away from it and um, got into metaphysics and got into more esoteric spirituality um, anyway, I'll make this story relatively short and say through a bunch of circumstances, I ended up in India uh, with my mom and dad. They invited me to go, and um, my mom was supposed to speak at this conference. My, my mom was a minister. Um, she became a minister when I graduated from high school. And, um, and I thought, well, if I don't like whatever's going on, I'll just leave and I'll go to Sai Baba's ashram. <laughs> right? I have this ticket on Air India. I had a ticket on Air India where you can fly anywhere in the country for a month, like year rail on a plane. Um, and uh, so I was like, oh, I'll just go visit Sai Baba if whatever we're doing doesn't work for me. But turns out we ended up way, way, way up in the tea plantations in southern India in Trivandrum, uh, uh, five hours outside of Trivandrum at the southern tip of India. I was not going anywhere, right? Um, and uh, I was there for three weeks. And um, about two weeks in, I said, okay, tonight's the night. Let's, let's go. And we went out into these tea fields, and there was a big, big tent that was pitched with all this Indian music. But as we got closer, I was like, oh, my God, this is a Christian tent revival. And uh, in southern India, around the Christians, they don't even say hello when they shake your hand. They go, praise Jesus. And I was like, how can I be in the most, you know? And then they're like, um, you know, uh, you know that I sing. And, and, and they had heard that I sing. And they're like, you must sing. You must sing. And I'm like, I can't not sing as their guest. That's just rude. And all I could think of to sing, what came to me was this old song from my childhood that says um, we are standing on holy ground we are standing on holy ground and I know that there are angels all around and it goes on let us play, praise spirit now we are standing on holy ground And as I sang that song, I could feel the presence of God in that space. Mm. And I knew that it was all one thing. You know, that uh, they called it Jesus, that other people call it other things, that some people are Christians, some people are Muslims, some people are spiritualists, some people have no religion, some people their religion is nature. It's all one thing. And, uh, you know, for some reason, I needed to go to the most esoteric place in the world to make peace with Christianity. Um, uh, but when you ask me, like, what's my, what's my belief structure, that, that's it. That's, and it doesn't even feel like a belief structure. It feels like my experience. Yes. You know? Yeah. If you ask me, I will mm-hmm. say this one other thing. If you ask me what my belief structure is, it, if, when I think about the concept of God, I think of more like this um, uh, web of intelligence that we're all connected to. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you want the more clinical answer, that's what it is. But the more heart-based answer is what I felt in that moment. Yes, because the work that you do... And the big stuff that's coming up in your life. You know, I know you so well that you're hearing that from this inner space of oneness to help the world move to a better place. So what is some of the big stuff for you that's coming up? What What are you hearing from that inner space and saying the holy yes to this has been a, a challenging holy yes lately. Um, earlier, you you said that quote, uh, 
and I don't remember the quote exactly, but it was about, you know, you can't change something externally if you haven't done it in, internally. Correct. And um, my friend Tim Kelly and my guys always say, you cannot change that which you cannot love. Right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at any great change agent, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, they weren't changing something they were fighting against. They were changing something they were for. Uh, and that 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 takes some work. So um, uh, I'll tell this little story. A couple of years ago, I, I had a business partner, and we were moving in different directions. And we were in this very fancy resort. And I was looking around in the restaurant, and I, I, and we'd put ourselves on 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 retreat to figure out what was next. And um, and I'm sitting there, and even though I'm the one that booked the the hotel and the resort and whatnot sitting there seeing these fancy people in the dining room and I'm like okay spirit why are we here really like technically I know I booked this but really out of all the places we could have gone why here and um, you know a lot of older wealthy white people with diamonds and uh, spirit said (laughs) because because this is your next client base and I said why them and spirit said because they are poor in spirit and you are rich in spirit and uh, and I said, yeah, but I don't like those people. And uh, the message I got back just shook me. The message back was, Jeffrey, when you serve those you felt most victimized by, you complete your cycle of victimization. When you can kiss the feet of those that have victimized you, there's nobody left out to get you. You are free. So I had no idea what that would mean, but this year, what's starting to show up in my orbit is uh, the financial services industry. And uh, I've, over the last decade, worked a lot with, you know, kind of more spiritually directed entrepreneurs and business owners and whatnot. And now um, the financial services industry is starting to show up in my orbit. And I'm like, oh, here are those largely older, wealthy white guys, right? Here they are. Um, and, you know, on some level, it's a little scary because I have no idea if they're going to embrace what I've got. I, you know, I don't know how I'll be received in that market. Um, except I just go back to this this little piece of, a calling never comes without all the resources to fulfill on it. You mm-hmm. know, so maybe it's not all the financial services industry I'm supposed to work with, but maybe there's some. And man, if I can help the financial services industry get more healthy, right? that will have a big ripple effect in this world. So that's a, a holy yes, you know, that um, that's rocking me a bit. Because uh, it's definitely outside of my comfort zone, um, but it feels true nonetheless. Mm. Mm. Okay, let's play Oprah Winfrey time, and then you can do. <laughs> you can do your, And you're the only one that I've ever done Oprah Winfrey time with. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to the one word statement or whatever however you want to do this so the first word is integrity love you cannot have anything you love without integrity and it's the foundation of building any dream Mm. legacy it's what your soul already knows it's here for wow Enlightenment. The joy of spirit, the effervescence of spirit in your heart and soul. Nice. Intimacy. Hmm. Something I long for more and more every day. God. Everything. Getting unstuck. Hmm. Your holy mission. Wow, I love that answer. 
your holy mission. I'm going to use that, Jeffrey. I'll give you credit. Okay, <laughs> potential. Potential. Uh, you have way more than you ever, 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 ever will know. Wow. Okay, this is our last one. Divine blueprint or your sacred contract. Take either one of those. Your divine blueprint or your sacred contract. Your sacred contract will take you to places you would have never known. It will stretch you. It will be relentless. But you will be more fully alive and fully expressed than doing anything else in the world. Wow. Well, this would be your time, if you would like, to bring all of our listeners that are with us tonight into um, your meditation that you said would take about five minutes to Mm -hmm. 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 Beautiful. Good. So... I want everybody listening, and if you're in a place that is uh, static and safe for you to close your eyes, you can do this with your eyes closed. But if you're driving or somewhere else, you can do this eyes opened as well. Um, And this is a little meditation to help you feel uncomfortable feelings and move through them with relative ease. Uh, one of my uh, one of my mentors is a great Jungian therapist, Jungian analyst called Pittman McGeehee. <laughs> I love his name. Uh, and Pittman had this saying. He said, "Never waste a complex." And a complex is when you're in your stuff, right? When you're triggered. And um, huh. and he said, "Never waste a complex." The moment that you're in a complex and you actually catch it, you actually realize, oh, here I am, I'm in my stuff, right? And you consciously realize you're triggered. That is the gold right there. That is the greatest opportunity for shifting things in the world. You know, I I, I do tons of workshops and four and five day retreats and uh, all sorts of things. And they're fine and they're great. uh, But there's nothing like change in the moment, Um, So I'm going to teach it to you now, but the thing that I want to to give to you is this tool that you can use in the moment at any point in your life, any place you are, get in a fight with your spouse, go to the bathroom for two minutes, do this process. If you're in a board meeting and somebody throws you under the bus, you can stay right there, shut your mouth, and quietly do this process in two minutes without anybody knowing and get back to the table. Uh, And uh, what happens when we get triggered is that somebody did or said something that stepped on our wounds. So with this idea of never waste a complex, it's like, oh, somebody stepped on my wounds. They're up for review. They're up for healing. This is an opportunity. And you don't even need to know all of what the wounds are and have done years and years of therapy to mine them out in order for this to work and help shift your experience. Because the thing I know is that our wounds are, are housed somatically. They're housed in our intellect as well, yes, but they're housed somatically. They're housed in our body. And so um, uh, I'll say one more thing. Uh, when I take you through this, I'm going to ask you at some point to do two things at once, to feel a feeling and to breathe. And uh, the reason I do that is that uh, a lot of our wounds stem from trauma. And trauma is simply anything that happens that we cannot process in real time. So what do we do? We store it in our body. And what happens when we have trauma? We hold our breath. (gasps) And it signals to uh, our, our whole being, oh, crap, I'm about to die. And so um, you'll notice when we go through here, we feel feelings and we breathe at once. And what happens is it uh, uh, dislodges the trauma from the emotion, making the emotion safe, telling our psyche, oh, this isn't going to kill me. I can actually process this. So um, there is a, 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 some, some method behind the madness here in terms of neuroscience and, and how this is all wired in our being. So... Here's what I invite you to do. Take a moment, just get quiet. 
feel your feet on the ground if you're standing or sitting. Notice your breath moving in and out of your body. And just settle in. And as you do, I invite you to notice some place where you're feeling stuck. Something you're struggling with. Something that maybe feels like, God, I don't know how to work with this. You might even think about an argument you had or some time in the recent history where something was triggered. Whatever it is, I want you to start feeling the emotions associated with where you feel stuck. And feel the part of you that feels stuck. Maybe there are some words associated it, with it. Uh, you know, you're, you're never going to change or... Uh, you're not good enough, or uh, you don't know what you're doing, or maybe there's some words with it, but start to notice the emotions and notice the part of you that holds the emotions. And as you do, notice that this part of you lives someplace in your body. Maybe it's in your heart, maybe it's in your belly, maybe it's someplace else but it lives someplace in your body. And as you start to locate it, just place your hand there. And as you place that hand there, whatever emotions you feel around being stuck or around this trigger, I just invite you to feel those emotions, to feel the sadness, to feel the rage, to feel the disappointment to feel whatever is there. And as you're feeling them, do one additional thing, and that is notice that you're breathing. And so feel the emotions. Really feel them as fully as possible. Feel this oftentimes younger part of you that feels wounded. And notice that you're breathing. And continue to feel the emotions as fully as you possibly can. And also continue to notice that you're breathing. And you just do this as long as you can possibly hold on to any shred of emotions, any feeling tone. And notice that you're breathing. And when there is Nothing left in that well. And you're back to neutral. Turn towards this part of you that was feeling this way and just say, thank you for showing up. Thanks for showing the way. I know you have something for me. And just ask it. If you have something to share with me or something you need from me, what is it? If you have something to share with me or something you need from me, what is it? And just listen. Maybe there's a word, a phrase. Maybe there's a feeling, maybe nothing. And if there is a request and you can agree to it, do so. And then simply take a deep, loving, through your body breath in through your nose and out through your mouth on a sigh. (sighs) And allow your eyes to drift back open. And that is it. That is it. Hmm. That. So definitely an easy way to release. Easy way to release. And especially when you're triggered and you notice it, it's super effective in real time. You know, and that what, you can you go ahead. What was the the statement that you made before we don't let a conflict oh, um, 
never waste a complex. Never waste a complex. That's going in my little black book. <laughs> <laughs> that is from uh, J. Pittman McGee, uh, in analyst out of the uh, Young Center in Houston. Huh. Well, this has been very informative and helpful, and I know that you, as a very busy man, are going now and having a uh, live stream conference, I think you said. Yep. Um, And um, so could you let our audience know where they could get a hold of you and what you're kind of offering right now to people across the world? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I do a monthly lecture that I live stream free of charge. Uh, I call it Spirit-Led Leadership, and it's where we explore what it, what it means to follow Spirit's voice in our vocation, in our work, as leaders, especially for those that feel like they're change agents, messengers, that they're here to help this planet evolve. Uh, and so you can find more about that by going to spiritledleadership.biz. That's B-I-Z, uh, spiritledleadership.biz. And uh, again, <laughs> this one happens to be in an hour. <laughs> yeah. But normally, t- 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 tonight is a Tuesday. Normally, they're the third Thursday of the month. So you can go to spiritledleadership.biz and uh, find out the information regarding uh, that monthly lecture series, and if you're in the L.A. area, it's in Santa Monica. You can come to the Hall Center in Santa Monica, which is where uh, it's hosted, or you can uh, register for the live stream, which is absolutely free. So that's uh, mm-hmm. one piece. And then um, for my other work, you can go to jeffreyvandyke.com. That's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-V-A-N-D-Y-K. There's no E at the end of my last name, jeffreyvandyke.com and uh, find more information there. Uh, In terms of what I do professionally with people, I have uh, a couple different programs where I help uh, people do one of two things. Um, uh, I have one program that's for people that are building businesses to help them get really clear on who their tribe is and what their unique gifts are for that tribe. Um, and that's primarily geared toward service professionals who've been in business for some time and want to uh, get more on purpose and have a tighter uh, approach to their marketing and messaging and positioning online. Um, And then my work with uh, leaders is really for people who go, I know there is something more for me to do in this world. I know there's a bigger contribution for me to make in this world. And, uh, you know, that transition from what you've built and what you've already done into this new chapter, that's, that's a journey. So that often entails helping someone move into what I call thought leadership uh, and uh, becoming a change agent in an industry. Uh, and so that's, that's another thing I do. And you can find all that information at jeffreyvandyke.com. So that's one place to go. Wow. Or if you want to listen in, uh, go to spiritledleadership.biz, B-I-Z. Hey, that is great for everybody to know and completely free. I always love free stuff. You know, Spirit always says, <laughs> you know, Christina Rose and Christina Rose says, everybody's trying to manifest things. And she would always say, if it's free, it's already manifested. Just take it. You know, say the holy yes to it. <laughs> go for it. So, yep, well, I know yep. that you have to go, my friend. And I thank you for doing tonight's program and spending a wonderful hour with us and, Oh, it's, it's been, been very such insane. a pleasure. Beautiful. Yes, well, well uh, I honor honor you for your work in this world and for all you do through the Hope Interface Center and here on uh, Blog Talk. For those of you that are listening, Hope has been my spiritual teacher for 20 years. It's 20 years now. I met you when I was 23. Um, wow. And uh, you've played a, a very instrumental role in my ability to show up and say my holy yes. So bless you and thank you. And it's been my honor to be here tonight. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And drive safe, drive safe, and uh, have a blessed rest of the fall. And I'll talk to you soon, Jeffrey. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. 
As we end tonight's program, I want to let you all to know that you're all amazing beings of white light. And I want to personally thank you for tuning in. And if you have found that it was worth the trip to listen, then what I would ask for you is to pass it on to others. Tell them about this program. Again, it's free. It's absolutely free. Invite them to your house and listen together. Also, waiting for you in our archives, we have had such an explosive, exciting, fascinating interviews with people from all over the nation, all over the world. Our next program is also going to be live. We're going to speaking to Gigi Peterson. That will be on Tuesday, November 29th at 7 p.m. Central Time. And that is also live. Gigi Peterson, who journeys with angels, spirit guides, saints, love and light beings, mother, father, God, ancient archangels, and loved ones who have passed. She channels personal spiritual messages and what she calls details bringing peace along with practical tools. What I like about Gigi is that she says she will give you validation with such details that can only be known by you. So then you will know it's truth. And so she has helped countless of people throughout the world for over 40 years. So when I get to speak to someone who says the holy yes for 40 years of their life, because it's not always easy to say the holy yes, that it is once again going to be such an honor to have her on the program. So please join us next month once again on Tuesday, November 29th, 7 p.m. Central Time, live with Gita G.G. Peterson. Also, until we meet again, I thank you all for listening. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. So I say to you that the light in me bows, recognizes, and honors the light within you. Namaste, namaste, namaste. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind, be gentle, be loving, be true.